Messy Situations is a production of Lola Media. Say hi, Lola. I mean, COVID crushed me. Like, I love my husband, but I used to kind of think when I did the laundry and the cooking and the cleaning or knew that our kids needed new shoes that he just didn't know that I did those things. But now I'm stuck in the house with him and he's seeing me doing laundry in between my Zoom calls as I run one of the largest women and girls organizations in the world and his damn feet are still on the table. Hello, I'm Kane Sarhan. And I'm Michelle Promaleko. Welcome back to Messy Situations, the show where we break down and break through life's messes, always starting with ourselves. We've had a busy couple days. We definitely have. I just realized that when I said my name, that sometimes I fuck up my own last name. That's how difficult it is. I've never said your last name correctly. No, you do. I do. Yeah, Promaleko. But sometimes like, I even trip up on it. I'm pretty sure I said it wrong for like the first 18 months that we knew each other. I'm pretty sure you did, but that's okay. That's par for the course. Oh, the you fucks everyone up. The you fucks everyone up. I know. If you just say it phonetically and just ignore the you, then you're fine. Promaleko. But lots of people like to add the letter N and they say Promalenko. And I'm like, why are you adding a letter to an 11 letter last name? Please don't do that. Yeah, We don't need 12. It's Promaleko. Anyway. What's up with you? Well, it's my birthday week. I know. Happy birthday. It's a big birthday. It's my 35th. Okay, that's not a big birthday, but we're going to just gloss over that. We're going to gloss over it. (laughs) I feel like every like five years is like, it's like an anchor birthday. It's a milestone. Yeah, yeah, anchor. Let's call it an anchor. And I don't know if you know this about me, but I love throwing parties and like gatherings. It's like one of my favorite things to do. Funny enough, I actually threw our guest today's wedding. Which we'll get to, which wow. is a funny thing. I actually I actually threw the rest. We might as well just do that. We'll introduce our guest today because she's family to me and I want to have her. We have one of the most important people in my life on our podcast today. My dear friend, activist, author, and mom, Reshma Sajani. Hi, Resh. Hey. Hi, Reshma. How Hello. are you? I'm good. We're going to dive into some stuff that anchors in that third word that we use to describe Reshma mom. But before we get there, both of you are actually coming to my birthday party. And I love throwing birthday parties, but this year, Danny, my husband, and and one of my dear friends, Beth, were sort of on me being like, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? And I've been traveling so much and writing and doing this and, and just like sort of drinking from the fire hose that I was like, I don't want to think about my birthday. Like what I want this year is like, I actually just don't want to plan it, which isn't me normally. And I was like, I just want it to happen. I don't like, want to think about it. You don't want to make any of the decisions. I don't want to make you any of the decisions. So I gave the framework where I was like, well, he's like, so what do you want to do? I'm like, I want to, Justin Bieber is performing on my birthday <laughs> night. So I was like, I want to go to Bieber because he's performing on my birthday and like I it's love meant him. To be. And I was like, and I want to go to Vegas with some friends afterwards. Like after that, like it's easy. They can do it. And they have like taken it over completely. (laughs) I haven't seen an invite. I've like, which is hard for me. I've released control. I've tried asking questions. They're like, shut up, like leave it alone. But the problem is, is is that I'm not just a control freak, is that I have a tendency to like make friends with people quickly. And then you invited them to your party. And then I'm like, why don't you come to my birthday? Yep. And so on Monday. It's your generous spirit. It's just like, and it's just like, and so on Monday night, we met a friend of a friend who's like going through a divorce, really nice guy. I've met him once briefly. I don't know this man at all, but like two Reposado tequilas in, Mm -hmm. he's invited to Vegas. (laughs) 
And now the thing is, is like the Vegas group is like 15 people. So like it's a lot it's of intimate. Di- it's intimate. But in- it's dinner coordinations yeah, and party it's, it's coordinations. Like, yeah. And like they've been planning it of like hotel rooms and like making sure we can go to the best places and get in. And it's Grammy weekend. So it's fucking nuts. And so Danny, like literally when it comes out of my mouth, looks at me with like death eyes. Like what? Because he's like Beth and Drew, your friend, my friends who are planning it are going to kill you. Like what? I'm like, he's not going to actually come. We wake up 7 a.m. I bought my flight. Oh, Where do I book my hotel room? See you there. I'll see you guys oh in Vegas. God. And I'm like. He's newly divorced. Of course he's like, I'm going to yeah. your amazing Vegas party. And I'm like, fuck my life. And Danny's like, you're telling Beth and Drew that you did this. He's like, I'm not doing it. He's like, I'm not taking that heat. They are going to fucking kill you. And I'm just like. Oh, what is wrong with me? Okay, it is it is a messy situation, but I kind of love the story because it does. It, like I said, it speaks to your generous spirit. You just want everybody to to have a good time and to be okay to be taken care of. So if that's your fatal flaw, I'll take it in a friend. I mean, it's like imp- I'm gonna let you off the hook. Thank you. It's it's like. I, it, but I don't, exactly have to, I don't have to expand the reservation. <laughs> you don't have to expand <laughs> so the reservation. Right, yeah. person there. And I think the other part of it, it, it was so funny because I was like, Beth and Drew and, and Danny are like, why do you invite randoms? And I'm like, I would like to remind all of you, at one point, you, you were a random. Exactly. exactly. Like, Danny, you were a random one night stand. Drew you <laughs> and Beth, you were randoms at work that like, everyone starts as a random. Mm-hmm. He like has good energy. He's a nice person. I also know he's going through like this sad 10 year breakup thing. He wants to have fun. I can tell by his vibe he's not going to fuck my birthday up. Just let right. him come. Like, who totally. Like right. you'll get his own have, hotel room. You have right. good instincts. Yeah. And I think that's like a good bumper sticker. Every important person in your life was a random, random. one time. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> it's so true. And you won't invite anybody else. No, we're done. I we're like, done. I like literally was like, I'm like, my hand. Beth was off. like, if you do, you're not coming. Yeah. She's like, she's, she's like, like, that's you're, you're your seat. Seat. Yeah, she's like, you're taking your seat. Um, enough about my birthday. On to much more important and interesting topics with Rashman. But before we jump into our topic, we're going to take a quick break. And we'll be right back. Today's topic is one that has gotten a lot of conversation during the pandemic, mostly because of the woman who's actually sitting here with us. She's forced America to have a conversation about moms and motherhood and the workplace and how, quite honestly, we're in a messy situation because America doesn't like our moms. And moms are thought to be beloved, right, universally. But actually, as a non-mom, I can say, I see how much they shoulder. And I saw how much my own mom shouldered, like as a working mom and a single mom. So I'm really excited to hear what Resh has to say. And I know she has some thoughts about how to resolve it, too. And Resh, you've been an activist for a long time. You've built national movements, millions of people. You basically dragged the tech industry into supporting women in technology 10 years ago. And I've done that. This mom's movement and this work that you've done was really born out of your personal struggle, right? Yeah. I mean, COVID crushed me. And I always say that, like, I have support. You know, I found myself January 2020, Girls Who Code had a Super Bowl ad. I was having my second child via surrogate. And I was so excited to finally take my maternity leave. I had all this, like, I guess anxiety, the fact that, like, I didn't carry Cy. So I wanted to, like, touch him, love him, kiss him, just Mm. breathe him. And I needed the time, you know, to do that. 
And then the pandemic hit and I found myself, you know, having to take care of a newborn baby, homeschool my six-year-old and save Girls Who Code from being shut down. Because when pandemics hit, the first resources to go are to women and girls. I got COVID-19, but it barely registered. My liver failed. I got acne in my face as if I was 16 years old. And most of my executive team were all women and were all moms with little kids. And so we were all kind of living the same nightmare. And what we would say to one another is just hold on, because when the schools open in September, we'll get more time to complete the work that we need to do and just take a damn breath. Well, the schools never opened. And some idiot, of course, it was probably a dude, came up with this idea of hybrid learning where a caretaker, i.e. a woman, a mom, would have to log on her kid at six o'clock, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, nine o'clock, all the while maintaining her full time job. And so you started to then see millions of women leave the workforce. And overnight, we were just crushed. And I was just pissed. And I was pissed for two reasons. One, I was like, I can't believe they didn't ask us. It's not like they didn't know who was doing the homeschooling and the child rearing, who was basically supplementing their paid labor for unpaid labor. And so this idea of like, our lives could so dramatically change in a dime because someone else made a choice about you pissed me off and it terrified me. And working moms have always had a second shift, right? They've always done their day job and then had the mom duty at night when they came home. Yep. And Zoom school and everything else and the upheaval of schedules kind of caused like a third shift in a way. Well, because what happened is daycare centers were shut down and schools were shut down and you couldn't invite your grandparents in because you didn't want to kill them because of COVID. So the entire Infrastructure. infrastructure that you had, you were barely making it before. Women were hanging by a thread, but then all of that really disappeared. Right. Because you make a choice, one, whether to have kids, two, how many to have, those kinds of things based on what you know you can take on and handle and what you want to take on and handle. Suddenly, this unbelievably stressful situation is thrust on you, not just by a global pandemic, but by the decisions that are made around that. Yeah. And I think all the people in your life let you down. Like, I love my husband, but I I used to kind of think when I did the laundry and the cooking and the cleaning or knew that our kids needed new shoes, that he just didn't know that I did those things. But now I'm stuck in the house with him and he's seeing me doing laundry in between my Zoom calls as I run one of the largest women and girls organizations in the world. And his damn feet are still on the table. Like it didn't change their behavior. Well, and this is what's crazy to me is, is I know your husband very well. And I would say if I was to stack him up in the paradigm of like active, engaged, progressive dads to like the other end of like traditional chauvinistic dads I would put him much farther on that progressive paradigm so what the hell was going on with Nahal well listen (laughs) I think the thing is is that that work isn't valued so it's not like you almost even see it or think about it doing the laundry is not something that we value or even see as work I mean listen I think now post-pandemic he sees it because, you know, I've written a damn book about it and I talk about him like every single time. So he's got to see it. But again, I think I think it's so part of what masculinity means in America. You know what it means to be a man who does caretaking work and who doesn't do caretaking. work. It's so embedded in the DNA of our country, of our culture. And this is true in every strata of society in America. Right. This is a universal problem. And Ab- you said at the beginning you fell under such duress and, you know, you have more support and resources than most people or than a lot of people. Yeah. So this is universal and it's even harder for some other people. Absolutely. I mean, listen, 70% of black women are their single caretaker and the single breadwinner. Imagine being a single mother in the middle of the pandemic. You're trying to maintain your job and you got to log on. There's no one to be like, hey, 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 will you turn on Zoom? 
while I go get onto my meeting or do my thing. Or the millions of women that are working in retail, working in education, working in healthcare, can't work from home. So right. they actually can't log on their kid and don't have anyone else to do it. This is why you saw right. millions They're on the of bus children. commuting to work. Yeah. You literally saw millions of children just didn't log on to school. In New York City, millions of kids we lost in the system because that structure disappeared. And it, what's really ironic is that this is not the way it went down in so many other countries. So like in the UK, they never shut the schools down. You know, other countries have support structures. So you didn't see this large exodus of women. You don't see this mental health crisis that's happening with women right now. So it was a choice that but this the, country made. The pandemic highlighted it and obviously like put a spotlight on problems moms were already dealing with. So pandemic aside, let's just talk about the structural problems and the lack of support for moms in America and why guys, even well-intentioned guys, aren't stepping up in the ways that they need to or aren't getting the message that they need to. Yeah. And listen, I want to get to our partners at the end, but I want to start with your first part, which was about structure. So like when I wrote my book, Pay Up, I learned so much that I didn't even know, right? Like, so even the design of a workforce. Who was that designed for? So it was designed for a man, a white man, who had a stay-at-home partner. Mm. Women were not even allowed in the workforce until World War II. And the only reason why they let us in was because the men were fighting at the war. Yeah. And when they came back, they pushed us out again and like basically like, here's Tupperware and, you know, a dishwasher. And so we could actually take that energy, right, into just doing more domestic work. And so we've constantly had this battle of being pushed out and being let in, but only let in if you basically hid your motherhood. You think about all of the archetypes, you know, Rosie the Riveter. That's not an image of a mother. Like there were no real images of women in the workplace that were images of mothers. It was this implicit message that like leave that identity at home. Don't put pictures up of your kids. Don't talk about them. Don't tell me that you got to go like pick them up, whatever. Even the way that the work day was designed, nine to five. But school days are eight to three. So mm. who's picking up the kids? After work drinks. Who the hell came out? Clearly someone who doesn't have to do bedtime. You know what I mean? So everything about the workplace was designed around a heteronormative two-person couple of which one of them was at home doing the child rearing. It's actually interesting. At your book launch party, you had Secretary Clinton at your book launch party, and she made this comment of one of the first pieces of advice that she got in the workplace was like, if you are a man, you should have photos of your kids and your family because it shows you're working for the right reasons. If you are a woman, you should not have photos of your kids and your family because it shows that you have distractions at home that take you away from How work. messed up is that? How messed up is that? And by the way, that was like, what, 1970? Yeah. What? And we're not talking like 1910, that's 1970. But to your whole thing around, the system was designed for the workplace for white heteronormative men with a double couple. We have been far away from that for so a far. very long time. Why hasn't anything changed? Yeah, I mean, like three out of 10 American families are run by single parents often single mothers. Even right now, 51% of breadwinners in families are women. So the data has changed. The numbers have changed. What an American family has looked like has changed, but the workforce hasn't changed. And so the pandemic, kind of like the one silver lining of it was like, damn, we don't have to go back to that. And even if you think about, in addition to moms, so many people of color don't want to go back to that old workplace because they faced microaggressions. So many LGBTQ people don't want to go back to that workplace. So most people, that workplace wasn't a place where if you were anything other than sometimes white and male, it wasn't working for you. So why all of this drama and pressure to go back? And I think that that's the opportunity here. That's the new resistance. And 
sort of diving into when we think about the resistance and sort of where we're going back, I think what I'm starting to see is one, the first time people being reflective on the sense of like what should or could work look like for moms, for people of color, for anyone and everyone, or what should it look like. But before we get to that, how do we even start to like repair the mess that we've made to moms? Because I get that we need to redesign the workplace, but we've literally robbed millions of people of work. Yeah. We've literally put millions of women into mental health crisis. We've literally sacrificed the education of maybe tens of millions of children. I don't even know the number. Like, that is such a clusterfuck. Before we even rebuild what work looks like, how do we address the shit show that yeah. people are in? Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing is to acknowledge that the way that we've been operating as a country is that when you have a child, you become a mother. That's your personal problem. Child care, that's your personal problem. Who takes care of you? Because that's your issue. That, like, again, you're not supposed to get anything from the government, from your partner. Because of that, again, we have a 50-year low birth rate. Most young women, people are like, I don't want to have kids. Like, all that all that I see in your Zoom screen, no thank you. It's too expensive. I'm not respected. Like, I don't want to do it. So we've, in many ways, taken choice away because parenting, motherhood is unattractive. And mm. it's unattractive now because of the way, and this is a very distinctly American way, in the way that we've asked people to manage it. What does that look like? So for example, the United States is the only developed nation that doesn't offer paid leave. The vast majority of women in this country go back to work seven days after having a baby. It's fucking insane. Insane. So the size of a company dictates that though, doesn't it to some degree? Or I could be wrong. I thought there was six weeks paid federally mandated and then six weeks in addition allowed unpaid. No. That's not true. So there's no federal paid leave. There's federal unpaid leave, meaning you can take time off, but you got to pay for so it yourself. You, okay, they so, can't fire you. Okay, so they can't, can't fire, fire you, you. Which is, this is the fucked up thing. Like, no, oh, no, that's completely yeah. messed up. We can't I... fire you, but we're not going to pay you. But you could take six weeks with your baby, but good luck feeding them, housing them, clothing them, buying diapers, doing all that, so because we're no not paying you. no paid leave. Okay. Well, then, wait, but then it depends where you live, because New York State, and this is probably what you're thinking about, does have paid leave. Massachusetts does have paid leave, California, i.e. the blue states. Okay, so there's no national paid leave there's of no any federal... sort. I've worked in New York my entire adult life so I know having seen lots of colleagues have kids that they were given six weeks many took the 12 weeks yeah with the second six yeah. being unpaid. Or yeah. being paid by the company, right? right. Or just, like, it can take disability. Right. It's, yeah. And it's also really freaking complicated. The administrative drama of figuring that out is really hard. Let me add a layer from my perspective as somebody who's worked in a very female-dominated industry, the magazine industry for most of my career, and was in a position where I had my number two, like I was the editor-in-chief and I had maybe six or seven pregnancies in my number two position. So I lost that person for 12 weeks usually because they could afford to take the 12 weeks and there was no subsidy to my budget to fill in for them. So this problem, it's actually macro. It affects even non-moms. Yeah, Because if I would have had money in place on a federal level to subsidize that absence, honestly, I wouldn't have been under the duress I was under. Like, because there is fallout for non-moms in the lack of support for moms. Yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, at Girls Who Code, we put over a thousand people as you can imagine probably 95 percent 99 percent women everybody was pregnant at some point all the time <laughs> but we had this culture and i started you know offering paid leave before new york state did but we had this culture where that's the culture we wanted 
we never missed a goal. We never burned somebody out. It actually allowed people, when somebody left that had a baby, you didn't come back to work after seven days because that's fucking sick. That's and so That's sick. So listen, it goes back to, I think, morality, ethos. What kind of company do we want to be? What kind of country do we want to be? I think you always want to take care of your most vulnerable. There's been a lot of practices we've been put into the place in the workplace based on the fact that we don't want to be an organization that discriminates against people. But I think there's something about the fact that we feel that when we do it for a mom, and trust me, I don't think we would feel this way if dads got pregnant. There's something about the fact that we do it for a mom. This goes back to what I'm saying about the culture that makes us feel put out. I want to drill down on the dad piece of this. But before we do that, we're going to take a break and we'll be right back. Okay, so right before the break, you touched on the dad piece, Mm -hmm. right? This probably wouldn't have been a sustainable problem if this was happening to dads. I've always been a supporter of men. I was the editor-in-chief of Cosmo when the Me Too movement was happening, and basically my staff wanted to castrate men. And I was like, no, 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 we don't want to do that. We want to support guys and help educate them, even if it's not our job, and recondition what they think they're supposed to be doing. So I think this applies to dads, right? 100%. 100%. And listen, 40% of girls who code teachers are men. My first three seven-figure checks for Marshall Plan for Moms were dads who had single moms. So like, I think any movement about gender equality includes men. I actually think what's so interesting is the number one thing that people have said to me over the past three weeks were like, you know, what do we do about the men? I was like, actually, no, 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 no. The men are on board. It's the culture. So how do we shift the culture and who's actually like making these moves and who are good examples to look at? Norway. I mean, Norway basically. So in the United States, women do two thirds of the caretaking work. So I don't know if you know this, but like in the U.S., you literally can fill out a time and use survey. So we kind of know who does the laundry most of the time, who does the cooking, who does the cleaning. And so in the United States, it tracks quite frankly more like India than it does like France, Canada, or Norway. And that's because culturally they've put in a lot of, again, policy. So Norway, they basically have a paid leave policy that says if if men don't take it, you lose it. Same with Canada. So you pretty much overnight shifted from being like 10% of Norwegian men were taking paid leave to like paternity leave. So 70%. So the typical Norwegian family, both equally take paid leave and so the quality in their relationship in terms of you know the domestic work is pretty 50 50 it's funny i have a lot of gay parents in my life and i was just gonna say because i can't imagine this with me and danny it's weird well you know it's funny i think when i think about you know sorry brad and paul i'm I'm talking about you but when i think about like sean's best friend walter and Mm. his two gay dads they're much more comfortable with delegating and with help and so they don't actually go into the traditional gender roles because that mom guilt piece that that martyrdom piece is missing from the equation. So fascinating. And it's really, really, really fascinating. Again, so when you say, well, what are the models? I'm like, damn, same-sex couples are the models, right? Here no in the United doubt. States. That makes but this, so much but, sense. So, But this is my question. No, that's because the whole time I was thinking here is I was like, this would never happen with me and my husband. We would divide and conquer. I would do the things I'm good at. He would do the things he's good at. Just like we both do laundry or we both clean. We like all do both. But my question is, is the martyrdom, the mom guilt, is it biological? Like, is there something biological 
I don't think so. I think it's systemic. I it, think it's culture and society saying, yeah. if you don't do this, you're a shit mom. There's no worse thing you would say to a mom than you're a bad mom. Literally. And we have a freaking movie written about it. But part of it, you know, goes back to, again, it's like we are raised to be people placers and to, you know, be caretakers and to put other people. Women are raised that way. Yeah. I think that then throw a baby in it, throw a bunch of other judgment from women, you know, from society, and you basically have a crisis on your hands. So we don't know what it's like in many ways to, like, put ourselves first. And so part of that is just practicing the ability to do that. And I think in many ways the pandemic was just so crushing. In my book I talk about that. It's like kids, spouse, pets and then you you are literally at the bottom my sister is a full-time working mom has three kids and i see that play out every day she does not put herself first she definitely puts herself last and you're asking a good question like is that her fault is it society's fault but i think the point is how do you fix it and how do you change it and i mean going back to the dad thing like one of the things that i don't like about well how do you fix your partner is like really you're gonna fucking make that my fault too like, you're going to give me another thing to do, and now i got to fix him? And so I think it's much easier to say, what are the boundaries I'm going to create? How am I going to put my mental health and my wellness first? What am I going to do to center that and then make society actually I think change? that idea of creating some boundaries and even just a roadmap for doing that is really a pragmatic way for moms who feel like they're struggling so much yeah. to start making some incremental change. You know, I, I think social media plays a huge role in this. And, like, if you're, if you're a mom... I mean, this is same with young girls. I mean, there's we have a suicide epidemic, a cutting epidemic, a bulimia epidemic right now because of the images that little girls see or girls, young women see, and they say, "Wow, why don't I look like that? Why doesn't my ass look like that? Why does my face look like that? Mm -hmm. Why doesn't my life look like that?" Now, the same thing is happening to moms, right? You see these pic picture perfect mothers with their little babies. All Instagram cutely. moms yeah. are the worst. I just want to <laughs> say, I'm sorry. I mean, it's obviously I don't really follow many of those feeds. It's not really my jam, but you know, when I do come across them because they're a wellness person or whatever, I'm just like, this is such fucking bullshit. My house is perfect. My clothing's perfect. My kids' I'm hair perfect. is it's perfect. It's only the I look perfect. Right. And it's like, that. then you're like, oh, damn, what's wrong with me? And so I think, again, telling the truth about the mess behind the scenes, about the fact that, like, you know, motherhood life is really messy. And I think part of that, and what I talk about in the book, is like just really killing the girl boss archetype, right? Because I think where you saw this perfect storm is that so many of us were taught, like, you know, to girl boss our way to the top to lean in real hard right that it was just like an express the corner office was just an express train just get on it so now if you're an ambitious woman who now happens to have a kid you have these two archetypes that you got to be devil wears prada and you got to be this perfect mom and so when that's not happening you start thinking like well what's wrong with me and the entire industrial complex of corporate feminism has made you feel like you got to fix you think about every book we've read from confidence code to lean in. It's all about fixing the woman, never talking about that the structure was never built for you. So what do we do? Because I have the luxury of getting to work with a lot of amazing women, right? I, I work in an organization that's mostly women. My two business partners are amazingly powerful women. My co-host is an amazing woman. You as family and, and a mentor and, you know, just someone who I've been with and worked with for a decade now. We'll get to systemic change in a minute and, and pay up. You sort of, you really outline like what we need to do from a systemic perspective. But I'm walking out of this room today. What the hell do I do? 
because I think the onus is we have done a lot of like, dear woman, show up more, raise your hand more, talk more, lean in more. Stop doing that. Literally look at the entire programming that you have as a company, as a culture at the well. And anything that is about fixing the woman, throw it out. Literally throw it out. I mean, in the garbage. I think that we have an opportunity to radically reinvent what it looks like to kind of elevate women. I think it starts with basically giving women more control and more ownership of their time, which mm. means having, you know, more resources. And if you're a small company and you can't subsidize childcare, fine. Like encourage predictability. And today it's about children, tomorrow it's about elderly parents. It's just about how we're gonna let people live their life. I start with moms because I guess if you build for the most vulnerable, which I think are single moms in the workplace, you will then create a workplace culture that works for everyone. That is, I think that, I think that's really important of like there is no downside for everyone else by focusing on the most vulnerable, right? Because yeah. no it, downside. It, and it's and it's and I think that's the thing of like what we do is we've actually flipped it, right? We focus on the most privileged and we build it around them. But those people at the top would actually benefit from programs that also support the most vulnerable. What is very fascinating to me, so I've been talking to a lot of Silicon Valley companies, and if you look at what Microsoft is doing, is what Facebook is doing, for years people didn't come into the office. For years people like got rid of their commute time. And for years they've been building technology about how to make hybrid work work. And so they've been onto the jig as oftentimes big tech is, in terms of designing the workplaces of the future. And so we immediately have this thing of like, if you, if we need to have control over our employees because if we don't have control, then we think they won't be productive. And we need to flip that on its head and challenge that assumption. I do think that tech companies have made the work from home piece easier, but you still need the support at home. You yeah. still need, even if you're working from home and you're cutting out the commute, you still need to be able to be not distracted if you have a partner need them to be doing 50% of the rest oh, yes. of the stuff for sure I mean listen I, it's not you know it's funny I've been like obviously I'm doing a lot of TV interviews and you always hear Cy crying in the background and the reporter like oh that's so sweet I mean you're really living this authentically I'm like no it's fucking distracting and stressful and I would love to be in an office I'm like can someone <laughs> please find an office I can go into but the point is about choice and I think again the ability to go in and out of an office in and out of the workforce having flexibility and having choice I think is really 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 critical I just also believe like we just spent the past two years going through hell and for the life of me I don't understand why we're not using this opportunity to just again think about how do we want to do things differently and that it can be applied to so many things yeah. if we don't come out of this changed in so many ways the way we look at things the way we do things on every level then what was the point and so what are we changing as a society what are you working towards every day yeah so i mean like i told you the, the big cultural piece i'm trying to shift is like killing girl boss culture like i think it's toxic i think it's old i think it's like we again have to stop trying to fix a woman and fix a system and, and i and i think really pushing that narrative culturally is, is honestly where the young people are at mm -hmm. and we're just we're far away from that and so we got to kind of catch up, you know, waiting for the government to act. You know, Build Back Better has been stalled in Washington for two years. They've been bailing out airlines, but they're not bailing out moms. And I don't think that that's going to change. I don't think that the government is actually the things that they were supposed to pass were basically creating a floor on child care. So no family paid more than 7% of their income. Most families pay more for child care than they pay for their mortgage. Kane, listen up as you become a parent. It's like it is oftentimes the How most the fuck is that expensive. Like this is the so thing expensive. that blows my mind, though, is you think about like, 
like that is the type of thing when I hear I'm like fuck I can't afford to have a kid like it but then doesn't you. that mean that the people who are who are the the out of the home child care givers the people who are supporting that industry they need to be supported too because the answer wouldn't be paying them less no for taking but, but exactly, care they're already paid less you pay we could pay zookeepers more than we pay the average babysitter so they're already underpaid this is why it's an economic issue this is why whether it's the government it's like health care Healthcare was people's most expensive. You got sick, you would be decimated. And so you literally wouldn't take a job, whether you work at Starbucks or you work at the well, unless your employer was paying for some part of your child. It was just, it's just, childcare is exactly the fucking same. And it's just like, we got to like catch up to that, that reality that it is a broken business model. You got to pay childcare workers more, but you also got to not make it the biggest part of a family's cost center because real choices are made on that. Can I buy this home? Should my wife work? Should my kid go to this school? But someone could be listening to this conversation. I think it's important to say and say, well, you know, well, that's your choice. Well, then don't have kids. And the response to that. And I'm going to gonna say that is definitely something I probably have said. Yeah. And that's. And just going to own 100%, it. 100%. I appreciate that. It's hard not to think right. like that. But I would say it's great you're bringing this up because it shows the work that we have to do. Definitely. And this is why your position is why the bill has not passed. Like how you feel, quite frankly, if we did a survey, is how a significant enough of a population feels to not have senators and congresspeople vote on it. This is also why the private sector has to do something. Yeah. That the CEOs got to take money out of their big ass paycheck. That's what I'm saying. Do you know what I'm saying? But that's why I'm I'm building this national business childcare coalition and to say, well, the private sector, until we can change society's opinion about this, and oftentimes, especially in America, even on climate change. You see what's happening with the weather. You see what's happening with, you know, these crazy tornadoes and storms. And people still don't believe. Because changing my opinion, quite frankly, will be reducing my fear that it's going to, like, adversely affect me. To right. Be right. And you need to be basically convinced. And I think looking at this piece from a perspective of why this is happening to working women. So you have a subset of people that are childless men and women who have your position. And then there's a subset of men who are like, great, like, you know, I think women should just stay at home and have kids. So fuck it. Like, I'm not going to be a shocker. <laughs> oh, God. Because you know, the, they'll just, no, that's, that's, a whole other, that's a whole other but, app. But I'm serious. So, like, again, we have two different forces that in many ways you're all in a coalition together, right? Because you're all aligned to do nothing for different reasons. And the consequences is the crisis that we're in right now. So the consequences is, again, you've had the largest exodus of women leaving the labor force in the history of our nation. So is this where Marshall Plan for Moms comes in? Yes. I mean, this is the point to basically say we are in bombed out cities. The shit is dire. You know what I mean? We've got to have a plan for economic recovery, whether it's the government or it's the private sector or, quite frankly, it's both. And I do think that part of it is resolving some of the things that we've talked about in this conversation about the divide on whether or whether or not you get to have public or private support when you choose to have a child. How can the average person support the plan? Go to MarshallPlanForMoms.com. Go buy Pay Up. You know, I am igniting a, a revolution at workplaces for women and our allies to basically redesign, you know, what workplaces look like. Look, we have a, like, I joke, but I say that this is our 2020 moment where this is the new resistance. The resistance to the workforce, to returning to the old normal is real. And, you know, I don't, I don't know if we're putting on those pink pussy hats or we're finding a new color, a new thing. <laughs> 
<laughs> but like, I'm serious. Like, I see it again with our mayor basically being like, remote work is killing the New York City's economy. Like, there are real forces at play that are wanting us to go back to the way that it was. And so we've got to really start organizing in terms of what we want work to look like. First off, thank you. And I think fundamentally, by supporting moms, you support children. And what we know is, more than anything, is like every society, every great society, the only way for a society to succeed is healthy, educated, cared for, nurtured children. Yeah. It is the foundation of every successful society. And we know we're behind in education, and it's because moms get fucked. We know we have childhood obesity. It's because moms get fucked. And, yeah. like, that's the thing for me is it's just like yeah. – I think I have a very strong belief that America hates women and America. And I think I think we could I think it's a well-known belief at this point. And so if you're listening and you're saying, but the moms cannot have kids like think about the kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? Think about like because all it is, is it, it's actually investing in like the long term healthy success of our country. Yep. So, Rashma, at the end of every episode, we bless this mess. And this is a big one. This is a big, <laughs> big, big mess that you've taken on. You certainly aren't going to resolve it alone. And we never end an episode saying that we have all the answers. We just want to illuminate a mess and reveal it. This one I know is going to resonate with so many people. So thanks for being both the guest and the cleanup crew. You are that do-it-all mom Clearly, that you're not supposed to be. Wearing two hats again. <laughs> wearing two hats again. So. So thanks again. Thank you. thank you both for having me. Love you both. Love you too. That's it for this week. We'd like to thank our guest and cleanup crew, author of Pay Up, Reshma Sajani. Help us spread the word about messy situations. You can subscribe, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and share the show with your friends. Until next week. Bye, Kane. Bye. Messy Situations is a production of Lola Media and is produced and engineered by Riley McCaskill with assistant producer Mesh Lakani.